Hi, Jacob. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Yeah, thank you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so Angela Mater, who's actually also in the XI ecosystem, so she founded Fitbook, like a physical book, to record your fitness progress. Now you're, you're starting this fitness tracking software company. What led you to your discovery of that market and your, your product? Yeah, so I was a personal trainer in college part-time, and I saw a need for a product like this. I mean, at the time, people were writing down the weights people used and tracking progress just with pen and paper. And so saw a need for something like this where all that could be digitized and um, didn't have the capability at that time to, to build it. And smartphones weren't as prevalent. So, you know, just continued about, about going through my degree program, got an uh, electrical engineering degree undergrad, entered the real world as a software engineer. And then I, it wasn't until I did my MBA that I saw an opportunity to kind of revisit this. We had a entrepreneurship class during my MBA program where we could create our own MVP product. And so I remembered this idea and thought it was a good time then with smartphones and lots of te technological capability and um, released an MVP and put it out there and people started using it. At that time, you know, not a you know, I wasn't, I had a job lined up, so I, I wasn't going to focus on it full time. But after I put it out there and I saw people were using it, I saw that, you know, maybe this could be something, maybe it was something that there was a, a huge demand for. And so um, after a few years, you know, working in tech, I decided to make the leap and focus on this full time just because people kept using it, even though I wasn't spending any time on it. When you were studying electrical engineering back in college, what made you transition from electrical engineering to software development? Yeah, so the, actually the role that I worked at um, was kind of a mix of electrical engineering and software. I had always had an interest in, sof in software, but my job after college was at Intel and the role was for testing computer chips. So I had to understand the electrical properties of the computer chips, but then write software to actually test it. And so... Um, I think during college, you know, I didn't have a strong interest in software development, but working with it and seeing how powerful things were uh, with, with software, I decided to, or I enjoyed that aspect of it. Yeah. And um, could you walk me through a little bit about your experiences after college and then before business school and then your experience in business school and what really prompted you to actually take your project from an idea to an actual company? Yeah, so after college, I worked for Intel for eight years. I was a you know product engineer, kind of in in the the same group, the same doing the same thing, testing chips, and so it was you know just advancing my career in that specific field. But it felt like I wasn't getting as much exposure to the business side of things, and that had always interested me. So I decided that's when I decided to go and pursue my MBA. During my MBA, you know, an MBA is a great kind of career checkpoint for you to explore new new options, go different ways. And so my summer internship during my MBA program was to be a kind of a financial manager analyst at Intel. And so similar stuff, but more on the business side. I, I thought that was interesting, but I just, from that, I decided I wanted to get back and focus on tech or be more on the on the tech side but in a, a management role versus finance and so 
after MBA, my MBA, I went to work at Apple as a program manager. So working on managing an automation project that would be used to create the first watch. The first Apple watch, it, it was we had to set up these kind of systems that would kind of automate the line of, of the manufacturer, the, the PCB boards for the watch. Okay. And, and where'd you get your MBA? Where'd you go? I went to Harvard Business School. Okay, nice. So when when you're looking at your initial idea for Fit SW, it from what that initial idea was, it likely kind of changed along the way. What are some of those biggest changes that you've had from that initial conception of Fit SW? Yeah, I think to start with, I was mainly focused on wanting a way to manage workouts, like allow the trainers to build workouts. And then they would know what their client was supposed to be, what weights they were supposed to do, what exercises, what rep, how many reps of those exercises, what the equipment settings were. So that was kind of the initial vision. But as time went on, we had got so much feedback from users like, oh, we want to be able to, you know, track my client's progress over time. We want to be able to accept payments. So it's really just kind of transformed to us being the one-stop shop for personal trainers for all their needs. Uh, you know, accepting payments, planning meals, all, all that type of stuff. And I don't think I truly appreciated uh, how much how much of a platform they, they would want, all the different capabilities and features that they would need in a platform. It can get kind of difficult to, you know, you don't want to listen to every single request you get because then your product, you're not good in any one area, you're just average in a lot of different areas. So that's been a, a struggle. That's definitely something you need to think about as you're building a product. You want to try and be everything to everybody. You, you got to find your like kind of target user that um, you serve their needs really well. And so that, that's been a, a balance. But it, our goal is to be the one-stop shop for a personal trainer that operates their business a certain way. Yeah. So, so back on your process with developing your software and finding your market, um, a lot of companies right now in our accelerator and amplify programs are trying to tailor their product to their like ideal customer profile. How did you navigate accepting customer requests and changing your software to fit their needs with also maintaining, staying true to that initial product that you believe there's a large customer base for? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think there was a time early on where we did not do as well at that as we should have. I think we we got fairly bloated in terms of having, you know, too many features. But what we since then, what we've done is we've really focused on building relationships with some key users that we feel are good examples of the the type of personal trainer we would like to serve and maintaining those good relationships, getting lots of feedback from those specific users in order to understand how they would use the software and build the features the way that they would use them. I mean, you know, I've talked about all these different features that people want. There's also features that people will use drastically different. There, you know, there will be some users that are personal trainers, they're all personal trainers, but they'll use the features drastically different. And so a good thing for us to do has been to keep those close relationships with kind of who we consider our ideal users and understanding how they're using it, not listening to, to you know, everyone that gives us feedback. Yeah. How'd you get that first customer to sign on and really get integrated in your platform? 
Yeah. So initially we focused just on personal trainers. Right now we're focusing on personal trainers, gyms, physical therapists. So there's a lot of different users that can use our software uh, and be successful with it. But personal trainers are a little bit easier to obtain, a little bit easier to acquire as customers than gyms. And how we got the first one was just posting on some forum boards and you know, encouraging people to try out our software for free. So we operate on a freemium model, so that makes it easy for people to, you know, sign up and try our software out. And so that's that was kind of the, the key way we got early users is just posting on those those forums. And then a way that we've kind of built relationships with these users is being very, very responsive to their, you know, when they contact us, we respond right away. If they're, you know, someone that we really think is our ideal customer, we build features for them if, if we think that they'll be used by the wider audience as well. And so that kind of causes them to be, you know, we've we formed, like I said, we've formed those strong relationships where they're really excited about what we're doing, that we're taking into account their requests. Yeah. So continuing this, this conversation on building up your networks of gyms, personal trainers, how do you navigate your outreach to the point where you're reaching as many people as possible and you're contacting them in a way that it's easy for them to sign up and see your platform and that they they get that hook. Yeah, so that's a good question. We have focused most of our acquisition efforts on, you know, via digital marketing. So a lot of a lot of the customers we've you know we've acquired have been kind of inbound leads where they, you know, see us online, there they see one of our ads and then they sign up, try the software. We now, I think, as we're focusing more on gyms and additional personal trainers, we are going to have to do more outreach. Uh, we've done some conferences, which I think will be a, a good path for us to connect with, to more of these people. But, you know, we, we, we haven't done a ton of outreach and I think we need to do more of that. Yeah. What's your approach with enterprise clients? Yeah. So the, the enterprise clients that we have have, have honestly all, all been inbound where they, you know, they found us and then they reached out asking if we can, you know, do certain things, if we have certain capabilities. And then it's been a kind of a, a sales slash demo call with me where I kind of walk them through our product. And then, you know, they'll usually, we've had pretty good success as, as soon as we have that, that sales call. But one of our, one thing we've been trying to do is hire, hire a salesperson that will go out and, and call on these these enterprise clients, but up until now we haven't we haven't done that as much as I would have liked us to. Okay, um, yeah, and and so kind of back to the meaning of your company and like why you exist. A lot of companies in our accelerator program are working on their story and trying to understand like the why. Like, why do we exist? Do we have a mission beyond just selling my company in five years and buying a vacation home? What's the why behind Fit SW? Like, why do you guys exist? Yeah, so personal trainers, the, the people that want to become personal trainers usually do so because they want to help people. They want to help people reach their goals. And so what we're trying to do is empower those fitness professionals so that they can help people better meet their goals. With our software, those personal trainers can engage with more clients. They can better motivate their clients. They can, you know, build excitement around fitness. And so that is our why, to... to help these fitness professionals that are trying to help people do their jobs more effectively. Has, has having that central mission within your company been helpful when you're trying to unify your employees behind this mission and trying to keep everybody 
aligned with the same goals. Yeah, I think it really has. And it's enabled us to kind of select for people that have those same motivations and, and retain those, those people longer because, you know, it's, it's a lot of our employees and a lot of people on our team, they, they're enthusiastic about fitness and by working on a product that can help others be more fit or be healthier, that, that's a, a great way of retaining that team. And so when you're thinking about hiring, at, at what point did you find that it was the right time to hire people and you needed more labor and you wanted to have those people really fit within your company's culture? Yeah. So initially when we made our first hire, it, it was someone, you know, we had been getting a lot of requests at, at the time we only had a, a web app and we've been getting a lot of requests for an iOS app. And so uh, we were bootstrapped at the time. So I tried to hire someone overseas on a contract basis and hiring that person. I, I learned how much, you know, at that time I didn't really think about, you know, their motivations, whether they were into fitness or anything like that, that wasn't a, a criteria. And so uh, what I learned from that though, is that it should be a criteria. It's important for them to buy into your mission. I mean, working on a, a startup is, can be you know time consuming it can be it can be hard and so you got to find someone that shares your same motivation and, and same goals so after that uh, when we made our first kind of real employee hire we focused on hiring people that are interested in health and want to help fitness professionals you know they, they agree with our our mission and so that is one of the key aspects obviously ap technical aptitude uh, is important and kind of willingness to learn has been a, another thing but primary hiring criteria has been like whether they're share the same mission and then usually you know some of my best developers have been able to kind of learn on the job um, maybe they you know they have a, a strong fundamental base uh, with respect to programming but they may have not used our languages often but if they have that motivation usually there's more buy-in and they're willing to to you know learn yeah, and, and so before you really assemble a team and begin the hiring process, like a founder has to go from the point of saying, hey, I've got an idea to I'm committing full time to this company. At what point did you in your process find that this idea, there's a market for it and you're going to commit to it full time? Yeah, so I mentioned that I had kind of put out an MVP during my MBA program. It wasn't for until three years later where I decided to make the leap. So I had already worked, you know, for two years at Apple and one year at a company called Flex. And I guess what motivated me to make the leap is that I wanted to try something new and there were also uh, people still using the product. Like it was growing without me spending much time on it. And so that's what really made me decide to make the, the leap. Okay. Um, and so at, are there any reflections that you have on that time in between when you made the MVP and when you really took that leap? Like, how were the users liking the app? Was not constantly developing it? Was that hindering its ability for users to adopt it? Like, how are these users staying on if you weren't actively working on it? Yeah, yeah. So I think the users were liking the app. I think at the time we were a web app so it was fairly easy for me to 
you know, manage just a single platform. Whereas now we have iOS, we have Android, we have web. So there's, there's multiple platforms, but yeah, I, I think users, there wasn't too much out there for personal trainers. It, I mean, there was a, there was some competitors, but you know, the, the software wasn't like it is today at that time. And thinking back, I do wish I would have focused on it sooner because I think we could have been a lot far, farther than we are now. We've made good progress, but if I would have focused on it full time, then I think we would have been a lot farther because we did give uh, some competitors time to you know improve their products, and we have one competitor that's bigger than us now that I think we enabled them to to grow pretty fast. Whereas maybe we could have seized some of that growth if we would have if I would have done that earlier. So you you were a, a member of the Amplify and Ascend programs in t- 2020 and 2021. What are some of your takeaways from those programs? So I think the Amplify program, I really enjoyed just because I it gave me a chance to plug into the Colorado Springs ecosystem. Prior to that, I was, you know, just working out of my basement. And, you know, there's so many benefits to being plugged into the ecosystem to going into a space where there's other entrepreneurs engaging with other entrepreneurs. It made hiring easier, right? It legitimizes you if you're part of an accelerator versus, you know, I was interviewing people at my house and that's like, you know, it's, it's much easier to interview someone in a Amplify or, you know, in an exponential impact office. And um, yeah, I think just connecting with other entrepreneurs who are going through the same thing, you get a lot of insights you form a lot of connections potentially that could benefit your business. So I, I, I really enjoyed that Amplify program just for, for all those benefits. And then that was, we, we were impacted by COVID at that time. So COVID hit right at the end of that program, but it, it, was, it was still a good experience. I'm very glad that I took part of that just to become plugged in. And then the Ascend program was also, I'm still going through that. We're finishing up here in next month, I, I think. And so that has been a great program again for, you know, connecting with other entrepreneurs, you know, understanding that you're not alone with, with the struggles you're dealing with, getting insights into, you know, what another founder is doing, what can help them benefit, you know, how are they running their marketing? It's, it's just very insightful to, to talk to other entrepreneurs and also the speakers and mentors that we have had the opportunity to engage with have been very beneficial as well. It's great to just be able to bounce your ideas off a mentor and get their, their input in, and understand just talking through ideas is beneficial, even if they may not have experienced that particular problem before. It's still great to get other insights and even talk through it yourself. And of course, many of the mentors have experienced, you know, very similar problems to you as well. And so that's, that's of course, obviously very beneficial as well. Yeah. All these gyms and trainers and people that are engaging in workouts have to do these things in person. Um, and you mentioned that you were hit by COVID when you were in the Amplify program. How did you adapt to a world over Zoom and online mediums when physical training is typically an in-person activity? Yeah, prior to COVID, most of our users, probably 60% or 70% used our product 
to plan their workouts that they were gonna be there with their client. But there were a few that were doing online training even before COVID where they could use our product to deliver workouts to their clients. Their clients could pick it up, pick it up on their phone and then view what they were supposed to do, what their trainer had assigned them. And they used our app kind of as a medium for communication, for workout delivery. And so when COVID hit, we really focused on making more features to enable online training, right? We were hit initially with a decrease in, in users just because trainers could no longer train. And so we lost um, you know, some customers through that. But by one thing we pride our team on is how nimble and agile we are and how quickly we can implement new features. And we were able to use that strength in order to kind of, after going down, we were able to continue growth and, and accelerate growth uh, shortly after COVID hit, I mean, it took us a little while after, of losing customers, but we were able to gain back new customers that were able to then train online. And we also gave trainers who maybe didn't think they had a career anymore with COVID hitting an opportunity to still continue their career, their passion and, and train people using an app and transition to online training. Another thing that happened when COVID hit is we saw a need for live online classes and so we built out that feature and spent a lot of time and resources on creating that capability it was beneficial in some ways but in other ways you know i, I think it, we found out how difficult it would be to market to consumers because our what we were trying to do is we were trying to we had all these trainers using our platform we wanted to then allow them to create these live classes that we could acquire consumers for the, to attend those live classes that may not know those trainers already. So we were trying to actually acquire customers for them and create a platform where we had all the trainers and then we were going to try and market to consumers so that they could come and, and enjoy these classes or take part in these fitness classes. And so that was a, a good experience. It allowed us to improve our product, but it also was difficult to figure out how to market to a different type of user, right? Before we were marketing to personal trainers, now we were trying to figure out how to market to everyday consumers. And that space was very competitive at the time and, it, and it, um, the customer acquisition cost was higher than we you know, expected. And so that was a, a good learning for us to kind of go through that. So what ended, what ended up happening with, with that kind of venture of your business? Did you end up hosting classes on, online and getting people to attend? Yeah. Okay. So, so we, we created a site called Find Train Gain. So we had FitSW. We created a site called Find Train Gain. The point is you find a trainer, you train with them, and then you make gains. Um, and so part of that Find Train Gain site was you can either find a trainer or you can find live classes. So those were the two capabilities. And so we, you know, we, we tried for a while and I, I think we, we just would have needed to secure investment and spend more money on, on marketing in order to make that a success. It's still actually running for the aspect of allowing consumers to find trainers. So we have, you know, thousands of trainers that use our site as part of them signing up for our site, they get a page on find train game where they can you know let new customers discover them and so that's is still around that's still active there there's still the capability for them to host live classes on that site to the public if they'd like and of course they can 
host classes through through our regular app as well. It's not used as heavily for the public. A lot of trainers prefer just to host classes for their existing clients. And, and so before we wrap up here, um, what, what are some of the main takeaways you've had as an entrepreneur over the years? If you were to narrow those down to like a few main takeaways um, or traits or things that allow, allow you to set yourself apart, what would you say those are? Yeah, I think it's being adaptable. Uh, I mentioned, you know, how quickly we were able to add features as being a, a great strength for us. And I, I, I think that's true. That, that has helped us in acquiring our initial customers. You know, if you're quickly adding features that people are asking for, they, you know, they, they build a relationship with you and, and start to be more engaged with your product. It also has helped us try new things and pivot. We were able to try the, the fine train game thing, the live class thing, and see which one of those worked, how they worked. It's also enabled us to try um, new features as well. So we've added some AI motion analysis features to our platform that we've actually got a lot of positive responses from. We've had a few different physical therapists. You know, they, they used our platform to deliver workout programs for people that are recovering from like an ACL tear or an Achilles uh, tendon tear. And so they would use our product for that, but they're really excited about this motion capture stuff that we do because they can track how their client's motion is improving over time. So they'll have their client do a single leg squat, um, you know, early in, in their recovery program. And then, um, you know, a month later, they'll have them do the same thing. And over time, our, our, our software will do the analysis and over time, they can see how that their scores have improved um, via that analysis. And so that's just another example of us trying a new feature, putting it out there and getting feedback from people. And that that is one that um, we've gotten a lot of feedback, recent positive feedback from recently, including from some other uh, sports performance centers. So I think in summary, yeah, I think just being adaptable, being able to move quickly and uh, try things out. Great. A any long-term goals with FitSW? Yeah, I think continue growing. You know, right now we have 1,200 paying users. I think being able to double or triple that here in the next couple of years um, is, is one goal. We're also um, engaging with some kind of strategic partners that we're pretty excited about and uh, just focus, focusing more on those partnerships to have uh, a wider impact. That's, that's another big goal for us. Great. Well, Jacob, thanks so much for taking the time to sit down with me and discuss the lessons you've learned, um, your educational history, background, and um, really what took that spark from an idea to the company that you are running today. Thank you. Yeah, it's been great talking to you.